don't know if you guys haven't figured it out yet, but we belong to a pretty special church. And we're blessed with a building. We're blessed. Stop right there. We're blessed. I'm grateful for our pastors. I'm grateful for Pastor Jonathan. I'm grateful for Pastor Angela. It's, it's a privilege. It's an honor to be asked to, to speak to you tonight. Um, pastor asked me last week, Thursday night, he texted me late. He said, will you speak? My first thought was, Lord, I don't have anything to say. Because truth be told, I've been going through it. I've been going through it. Among people moving, among my grandmother passing away last week, or burying her last week, I should say, it's football season. For those of you who don't remember or don't know, I laid down my dreams, visions, and goals of being a very successful coach in January. And that was one of the hardest things I had ever, I had ever done. So when that first Saturday of September rolled around and it wasn't game day for the first time in 18 years, I was sad. I'm just being blatantly honest with you. I was sad. And I began to think, you know, Lord, was it really worth it? Did I, did I hear you correctly? Because, you know, now we have a 9 o'clock service. So I could have gone to the 9 o'clock service and still made it to film on Sundays. I wouldn't have had to miss so much. And we do that, right? Well, two people do, me and two other people. I don't know if you guys, you guys have seen him on Sunday, but Rogelio, the guy back there with the awesome hair and the curls, I think I talked to him for the first time in March, just a casual conversation. Saw him again with Jesse and Bailey maybe a month later. And I saw him all the way up until about three weeks ago. And he finally told me, he goes, you know what? I'm going to come. And as soon as I was throwing my pity party, well, the problem with a pity party is you're the only one that's there. He said, was Rogelio's life so insignificant that you wouldn't stop coaching so he could come to church? Because he's been the past three, four weeks in a row. And he loves it. I'm telling you right now, he loves it. And then tonight, one of my ex-players is sitting in here. If you would have told me in January, Justin, you're going to lay down coaching, you're going to be done, and fast forward to September, and one of your ex-players is going to be in here preaching, or going to be in here listening to you preach, I would have told you you're absolutely crazy. But God's good, and he's faithful. All right, Jesse. So this is not a Catholic picture. I promise. I'm going somewhere. Just have some faith in me. Have some faith in me, okay? So after pastor asked me, I began to pray. And he gave me a word. And God's good because he confirmed it three or four times this week. Um, he even confirmed it tonight, um, a sweatshirt Lily was wearing. Um, and, you know, Every once in a while, you find something on the internet that's pretty good. I was scrolling through Instagram last week and, and saw a picture, and this pastor was speaking about it. So I'm going to open up with this story. The man in the red represents the devil, and over here is the man. 
And the, and the story behind the picture is that there was a museum tour guide giving a private tour to a bunch of world-class athletes. So he's taken through a private tour. Um, he's stopping at each artifact, and he stops at this painting. And he talks about it. He said, you know, the uh, painting is called Checkmate. Um, the devil's got the guy cornered. You know, there's no way out. The, you know, tour guide made an assumption, you know, probably playing for, playing for his soul. And just, just talked about it. So the whole group went on to the next artifact, painting, whatever it was. And then he noticed a man still standing here looking at it. So the tour guide came back. He said, you know, we've moved on. Do you have a question about the picture? He goes, well, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a world champion chess player. And the tour guide, guys, I, I know you, you and, you know, other people are, are champions in your sports. You know, this is a tour. He said, I, I have a problem with the painting. And the tour guide's flabbergasted. He goes, what do you mean you have a problem with the painting? He goes, I don't understand. And the tour guide gave him the whole rundown again, the explanation. And the guy goes, well, you know, I am a world champion chess player. And the tour guide's, yes, you, you've said that a couple times already. I, I know that. He goes, so I'm going to tell you right now, Mr. Tour Guide, you're going to have to change the painting or change the name. And the tour guide said, why in the world would we do that? He goes, because I see things differently, because I'm a world champion chess player. <laughs> and I can tell you right now that that king has one more move. Yeah. I've come to tell you guys tonight, our king has one more move in your finances. He's got one more move in your family. He's got one more move in your marriage. Amber and he has got one more move in that house situation, I'm telling you right now. The king's got one more move for us tonight. We're going to open up to Isaiah 40. As you guys turn there, I'm going to pray. Dear gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, God, for the word that you've given me tonight. I thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to stand up here tonight behind the sacred desk. And Lord, I, I pray that I bless a lot of people in a short amount of time. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Isaiah 40, we're going to read verses 1 through 12, and then 26 through 31, I believe. Isaiah 40, verse 1 says, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her, that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. I've come to tell you the warfare that you've been going on, that you've been going through. We're coming out of it tonight. This is a victory message. And I was telling the Lord, I said, how am I supposed to preach a victory message? I said, I'm not even at the victory yet. He goes, that's why it's going to be good. He goes, everything you're preaching to them, you need to hear just as much, if not more. So, like I said, I've gotten confirmation. I know this is what I'm supposed to preach. In Isaiah's time, if you couldn't pay your creditor, they walked by your house and pinned something on the wall, basically an eviction notice. You had 30 days to get out. 
such and such and such and such. But if you had a redeemer come to pay off your debt, they would come up and place the paid sign over. And that's pretty much the gospel. I'm so happy that he paid for all of our sins. It says of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. I'm grateful. Verse 3 says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. He's level in the field tonight. He's going to fill every valley. He's going to level every mountain that's going to be taken down. He's going to make the crooked things straight in your life. He's going to make the rough places that you've been going through smooth. And then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Because it says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. He's level in the playing field tonight. We're getting our victory back tonight. Verse 6 says, the voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Do you know what that means? That means when it says, A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at the right hand, but it shall not come nigh to you. That means when it says, blessed be the Lord my strength, which teetheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run into it and they are safe. When the enemy comes in like a flood, he raises up a standard against it. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Though I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. For thou art thy staff and thy rod, they comfort me. Just a few weeks ago, Kyle took off his boots and stood on the word of God. That's powerful. Do we know who fights for us tonight? Do we know who's on our side? Do we know who's in the battle with us? I had the privilege, the pleasure of coaching a running back at Cerritos. He's a starting running back for the New England Patriots right now. So he's obviously really good. And I remember being in a couple games, being in a couple dogfights, being down, you know, and I remember looking to the sideline, thinking about it and looking over and seeing Ramondre Stevenson going, you know, we got that guy, we, we got a good chance. We got a good chance. You know who's on your side? There's a good chance you're going to win every battle. The fourth man is in the fire with you guys tonight. Amen. Verse 9. O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountains. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Saith unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. What does that mean, Justin? It means come hit the streets with us on Saturday morning. Pastor Angelo just said, Everyone's welcome. If you're sitting in here tonight, that means God did something in your life. You have something to say. One of my favorite things, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, you know. What David told Goliath, David goes up to the giant and says, Thou comest to me with a sword, with a spear, and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, 
the God of armies of Israel whom thou hast defied. That's powerful. I was just telling um, a couple people the other day, I like that David walked up to his brothers and said, hey, how much longer are you going to let that guy stand out there and talk smack? How much longer are you guys going to let that guy stand out there and defy our God? How much longer is this going to go on here? This was the shepherd coming in and saying that. He was just bringing the cheese. Verse 10 says, Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and this work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. I'm grateful that the same strong hand is the same one he, he comforts us. He's gentle with the young. The same strong hand is gentle with the young. It says that he shall gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom. He keeps us close to his heart, church. He keeps us close. Verse 12 says, Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with the span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in balance? Three-fourths of the world is covered by water. He holds it in his hand. I remember being little. My dad would cup his hand with water, and he would let us drink. I, I don't know why. I don't know anything else. But when I read that, I remembered him doing that. And I remember when he wasn't there, getting my little paw under there and thinking, I don't get as much water in there as he does. And it always frustrated me because when he put his hand in it, I felt like it was a lot of water. But mine, it wasn't. It says, and meted out, meted out heaven with the span. The definition of a span, which I didn't know this, is the distance between your thumb and pinky. He holds the heaven and the universe in the span of his hand. Universe and heavens. We serve a big God. We serve an amazing God. And I think we forget sometimes how awesome and how powerful he truly is. He calculates all the dust of the earth. How do you even go about that? I was at the beach the other day. How do you even go about measuring the dust of the earth? He knows how to weigh, he knows how to weigh mountain and hills. How do you do that? Our God does it. I'm grateful that we serve such an awesome God. Verse 26, we're going to skip down. Lift up your high eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things, that bringeth out their hosts by number? He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. He knows every star in the sky by name, and he keeps them from falling. <laughs> it says in Job, does lightning not report to you and say, here we are? Lightning doesn't even strike the ground without his permission. He tells the sea where to stop on the shore. We serve an awesome God. Verse 27 why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? 
Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. The same God that knows every star in the sky, that walked on water, that fed thousands with a couple fishes and a couple loaves, knows your name, knows the battle that you're going through, knows the Goliath in front of you, knows how hot the furnace is. One of my mom's, mom's favorite verses was, he loves you so much he knows the very number of hairs on your head. Along with trying to calculate the dust of the earth and how to weigh mountains, he knows the very number of hairs on your head. He's intimate with us. He loves us. I'm grateful. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. I don't care what you did last year. I don't care what you did last month. I don't care what you did last week. I don't care what you did last night. The Bible says there's no place we could go that could ever separate us from his love. I tried. I tried really hard. I could never outrun his love, his mercy, his grace. It's impossible. 29, he giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. He's your strength when you have none. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I'm so glad he compares us to eagles because they're majestic birds. They're awesome. I looked up a few eagle facts. They, have, they can have about an eight-foot wingspan, so that's about five of our chairs wide. They can fly about 33 miles an hour, and when they're diving, it can reach about to 100 miles an hour. When an eagle sees another bird because they get to fly at about 20,000 feet in the air. When that eagle's soaring, he sees another bird, he knows that's an eagle, because no other bird soars as high as an eagle. Crows are the only ones stupid enough to try and attack an eagle. And they get on their back, and they just start pecking. And I found this very interesting, because the eagle doesn't turn around, because eagle could probably rip its rip it apart in two, three seconds for how big it is. All that eagle does, he spreads his wings and he flaps. And he goes straight up. Because sooner or later, that crow loses oxygen. He can't keep up with that bird. The places that God wants you to go, has destined for you to go, that enemy can't go with you. He can't breathe the same air that you're breathing. He has no authority to go to the heights that God's called you to soar at. I'm reminded of a message pastor spoke um, two years ago, I think. It's don't die in the wilderness. And it is probably my favorite message of all time. He preached it powerfully. 
Um, it's on our podcast. If you can't find it, just text me. I'll send it to you immediately. It, like I said, it's one of my favorite messages of all time. So I'm going to tell the story that he told. I'm not even going to dare try and preach the message he preached. I'm just going to tell the story he did. And eagles live to be about 60 to 100 years old. When they're about 30, they're midlife. They go through what's called the molting period or the moping period. And scientists can't figure out why, why that happens. They can't figure out why it's at midlife, why it happens, anything. They can't figure it out. Just like sometimes we can't figure out why we have to go through what we go through. Why we can't figure out why we have to be in this valley. Why we're going through this battle. So he tells a story about a preacher and an old Indian. And the Indian's name is Tacoma. And Tacoma takes a preacher to what's called Eagle's Bluff. He takes him up on a mountain. And they go out and they see 33 eagles soaring. And the preacher says, it's just, it's just amazing. One of, the, one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my entire life. And the preacher's like, wow, Tacoma, you know, you know thank you for, for showing this. He goes, this isn't what I wanted to show you. So they, they take a drive down, they walk, and they walk into, walk into a wilderness, a valley. And the preacher sees five eagles standing there. And Tacoma says, go pick one up, preacher. The preacher's like, absolutely not. He goes, even, even an eagle in that shape, even an eagle that's down like that, he goes, you can't pick them up. He goes, they'll tear you to bits. And Tacoma said, no, not these eagles. These eagles are going through the moping period. They're going through the molting period. So the preacher walked over and picked them up, and he said the head just drooped over like it had wrung its neck. He said his talons were swollen from hopping around in the wilderness, because those towns weren't supposed to be hopping around. They're supposed to be flying. They're supposed to be soaring. He said the beaks were so calcified, they could hardly get, the, get their mouths open. And they had dry eyes, because a strong eagle cries. It weeps. It has to wipe its eyes. That's how it cleans them, like a windshield wiper. So Tacoma said, you know what, we got to step back. Something's about to happen. So they stepped back under the trees. And he said, I heard eight eagles coming. And those eagles started dropping chunks of rabbit, chunks of squirrel, down to those five eagles that were in the moping period. Because they were too weak to hunt. They could hardly eat. And the preacher asked Tacoma, what, what are they doing? He goes, they're dropping meat down to them. He goes, well, why those eight eagles? He goes, because those eight eagles were in the valley. They know what it was like to be down here with dry eyes and calcified beaks. They know what it's like to be dry in their spirit. They know what it's like to not be able to get down and pray. Youth. Becky and Gilbert are dropping meat down to you guys every Thursday. I'm begging you to pick it up. Young adults, Kevin, every other Thursday is dropping meat down to you guys. I'm begging you to pick it up because they know what it's like to be there. They know what it's like to be down there. 
One of my mom's favorite things to tell me when she was scolding me, she was like, I've been held, you are, you haven't been held, I am. <laughs> it used to bug the fire out of me. <sighs> and I'm grateful for the eagle in our pulpit every Sunday. Because I know that there were times, because we all go through it, there were times that he was in the valley, but he marched up here and preached victory, marched up here and preached, we've been made more than conquerors, even though he was going through it. There was a time about two, three years ago that Pastor and I would come really early in the morning and we would pray. And I won't ever forget that because I would listen to him kneel right there and go row by row, praying for people and praying for families. And I'm not just talking about it, bless Gilbert. No, I'm talking about anoint Tom as he leads the men's ministry. Bless Anthony Yolanda's children. I'm talking about really interceding, not just one of those lay-me-downs like he talks about. I'm talking row by row by row by row. So when I tell you we're blessed with pastors that love and care about us, I'm not blowing smoke. Because I know this lady does the exact same thing. We're blessed, church. We're blessed. Going on in the story. So only the two eagles started eating that meat. The three, three other eagles stayed put. And the preacher asked Tacoma, what's going to happen to those three eagles that, that don't eat that meat? He said, they're going to die. They're going to die. And he took them to a graveyard where he had buried 27 other eagles that chose not to eat the meat that the stronger eagles were dropping down. A few days later, Tacoma called the preacher again. said, preacher, I just wanted to tell you, those three eagles passed away this morning. I buried them. He said, but those two eagles that ate that one day, they're already making their way up the mountain. They're already making their way back. He said, I want you to come with me. He goes, I have a special, special eagle. I want to show you. Sister Lupe, can you come play? I'm just about done here. I told you guys I'd be quick. He said, I got a special bird. I got a special eagle, excuse me named Tanakin, I want to tell you about. So they get into the Jeep, they drive. They get up on the side of the mountain, and the Indian's looking with his binoculars, telescope, whatever it is, and he finds Tanakin. He said, here, preacher, there he is right there. He goes, what's so special about Tanakin? He goes, before you got here, because the preacher was there doing revival, I think. He said, Preacher, before you got here, they went through the same process. Tanakin was down in the valley just a couple weeks ago. But he ate that food that those eagles dropped down. He partook of that meat. And now he's made his way up the mountain. And the preacher said it was one of the most beautiful things he'd ever seen. Because he saw Tanakin shaking off those old feathers. The pastor talked about blood feathers in his message. They shake off the old feathers and they're they get new ones. Pastor called them blood feathers. 
He said there's blood circulating through those feathers. I believe that those feathers are stronger than old ones. But he said, Tannikin, standing on, on the rock, standing on the side of the mountain, he said, tears flowing from his eyes. He's flapping. He said, he's screaming, he's shouting, he's yelling. And the preacher goes, Tannik, is he doing what I think he's doing? And, or Tacoma, is he doing what I think he's doing? He goes, absolutely, preacher. He's praising God. Because he didn't die in that valley. He said he did it for about 20 minutes. And all of a sudden he took off. And he soared. What I forgot to mention is when those eight eagles dropped the meat down to the five and only two partook of it, once they started eating, those eight other eagles started gathering around them. They're laughing, encouraging, jumping up and down, weeping, saying, come on, eat, eat. I'm begging you, eat. Don't die in this wilderness. Come out of this battle. Come out of this valley. Eat. They're jumping around them, encouraging them. I told you in the beginning that we're coming out of the battle victorious tonight. And I don't know what you're going through. I really don't. Maybe it's just for one person. I don't know. But I know when I prayed all week, I said, Lord, I don't want one person to leave the same way that they came. Because God knows how big the Goliath is in your life. God knows how hot the fiery furnace was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He knows how low the valley is. But I told you guys in the beginning, we know who's on our side. We know who fights for us. If God be for us, who can be against us? So I want to open the altars tonight. And for you eagles that are strong, I want you to gather around the people that have come down here seeking victory, that are praying for victory. I'm tired of us walking down with our walking around with our heads down, like he hasn't called us to be more than conquerors. I'm tired of us walking down in defeat because in January during worship you couldn't find a spot up here. What happened to us? What happened to our worship? We lost our cry. We lost our shout. It's not a coincidence. The first thing that eagle did standing on that rock was crying, shout, hoop and holler. The preacher said Tacoma had to hold me back from jumping off the ledge. He was so excited. What happened to our shout? What happened to our worship? Life happens, and I'm aware of that. I get it. But no weapon formed against us shall prosper. So I'm going to close in prayer, and I want to open up the altars for you.